Coming up on episode 176 of Wheel Bearings, we're driving the 2021 Chrysler Pacifica all-wheel drive and 2021 BMW 540i xDrive. We name the highs and lows out of the cars we drove during the year, and we make some predictions for 2021. That's all ahead on episode 176 of Wheel Bearings. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you, and exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be a part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is Wheel Bearings. I am Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Rebecca Linlin from Rebecca Drives. And I'm Sam Abuwal-Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I was wondering who was going to win the toss up there. So it's, it's good. Thank you for working that out. Um, this is our first episode of 2021. So welcome. We made it. We're on the other side. Um, and The other side t- of an arbitrary dateline, which... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Time is a construct, man. Just lean into it. It's it's fine. Um, it's it's great. My line when I'm a little late to meetings is like, "Well, you're on the eastern edge of the time zone, and I'm a little further west of you." So that sounds <laughs> fair. It's a, I'm a little later than you are. Yeah. The sun gets the sun rises about five minutes later here. So yeah. Uh, so they, no, it's a it's a big difference. Oh no, it is. It's weird when I when I go out there. It's dark in the morning. <laughs> Well, perhaps you should just adjust your the time, you know, the alarm, you, time your alarm goes off. But I never use an alarm. I have a perfect oh, internal clock. Straight off the rails. <laughs> Jesus. It's a, good, it's a good thing it's January. You know, it's, it's totally representative of driving in wintertime. Look, we've We're, got the show rundown. Okay. And this is the banter portion before we get to the garage. This, this We're almost like, actually 1% through right. 2021 already. Yeah. Look at that. See? Yeah. Positive. All if right. this were a newscast, this would be like the <laughs> awkward bit that the, the anchors do at the desk before they just like throw to the weather guy who has to figure it out and like how to transition. So uh, now with weather, we've got Marv. Um, oh, my all right. goodness. So we're going to talk about uh, some some cars that we drove uh, this year's our last year. favorites. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. In the in the, the year that just passed uh, and, and our highs and lows, you know, the ones that we liked the best, the ones that we liked uh, the least and and why but first let's talk about the cars <laughs> that are currently sitting in your driveway um i still have the uh ford f350 xlt tremor how long have you had that thing for two uh, weeks well, it's, yeah it's two weeks it's the holidays so uh, okay. it's actually really handy because i'm going to throw the two because uh, of our christmas tree disaster we have two <laughs> old christmas trees um, i'm gonna throw them in the back and then take them to some friends with some goats and apparently the goats oh, love to eat nice. oh, yeah. yes they so, do yeah good um, way to recycle them 
yeah, it's super handy that way. Uh, and the the only thing I will note is that I looked. It has the the sticker on the windshield that it's built in Kentucky. I think there's a Louisville um, yeah. truck plant. Yeah, Louisville Kentucky, the Louisville truck plant. Yeah, and that's home of the Super Duty, as it says. So I got to thinking. I was like, huh, this is a very expensive truck, and and Kentucky um, economically isn't in great shape. So I, I looked up the stats, and it turns out that um, Kentucky is, uh, I think fourth from the bottom in terms of poverty rates. There's a 16% poverty rate, 16 point something percent poverty rate in Kentucky. Uh, So only four states have worse poverty and uh, they are 44th in median income at like 50,000. So median means like there's what half that make less half that make more. Or does that mean I'm so shitty? No, it's it's the midpoint uh, rather than the average. Right. Okay. So, um, I I didn't actually look up how many people actually work at that truck plant, but that's a UAW plant. So I'm sure those are actually pretty good jobs and they make a great truck. Um, and, and the poverty rate fell. It was in 2018. I think it was actually higher. It was 17.7%. So um, I, it just struck me as like this truck costs more than the the uh, median income of, uh, in, in a year in, in that state. And so, I, I you know, I wonder how the folks who build it sort of feel about it as it goes down the line you know i when i've worked on stuff that has a huge price tag and just like i it's it, it's a weird thing from a but that's from true a, for a lot of vehicles oh for vehicles sure. are yeah. you know the what's the average income in the u.s like 56 somewhere mm-hmm. in there yeah and yeah and so, uh, i think the average transaction price in 2020 uh was just about thirty nine thousand dollars. yeah so, that's crazy yeah but that's also why it's so important in my mind to have a very healthy used car market, to have vehicles that people can, you know, newer vehicles that people can get in for a better price point that gives them the safety and the comfort and conveniences, but primarily the safety that so many of yeah. the newer vehicles afford them. Right. You know, and, I- and, you know, the uh, modern vehicles have become so much more durable and long lasting you know, the average age of cars on the road in the U.S. now is, is just over 12 years. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's not at all unusual for you know vehicles to last 20, 25, 30 years. You know, a lot of ve- you know, there's a lot of vehicles upwards of 20 years old that are still very you know perfectly serviceable, um, yes. you know, and, you know, they're affordable to a lot of people. Yeah. But like Rebecca says, I mean, the issue that you miss out on is is the safety improvements. I think about, you know, 20-year-old cars, and I'm not sure I'd want to get hit by some of the new, say, pickups that are very popular. That's and true, yeah. It's kind of like walking by a, a large wall. Um, but, and it's not, a, I'm not trying to make any kind of uh, statement about um, Kentucky or, or uh, you know, anything derogatory about Kentucky. It just struck me. Um, cause you know, honestly, if the median income is 57,000 versus 50, that's not going to make a ton of difference, whether you're in say, um, Massachusetts or, uh, Kentucky, it, it's just the median income is not that different and cars are expensive. So I, it was just, I started playing with figures for curiosity. So beyond that, <laughs> you two were driving things. Um, 
<laughs> Sam, what are you driving? Rebecca went first in intro. Yes. Yeah. So Let's Sam, what are Sam. you driving? So um, <laughs> speaking of you know expensive vehicles, I had the uh, the 2021 Chrysler Pacifica uh, All Wheel Drive Limited. Is um, that truly expensive? Uh, yeah. The the one I drove. Uh, bottom line sticker price, uh, or is it here? Um, uh, Right around the median income of the average person. No kidding. (laughs) You know, so granted, you know, this is, you know, actually not quite the the top end. Uh, The top end of the Pacifica lineup is actually uh, the pinnacle trim. So there's actually a more expensive version of this. But, you know, this is close to the, I mean, this was a pretty much loaded Pacifica. and, you know, we've talked about the Pacifica in the past. Uh, you know, we've, I think we've all driven it at various times in, in various guises, both the, the plug-in hybrid version and the gas engine version, which is what this one was. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's a it's a fantastic minivan. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think if if you need to move people, you know, if you have, you know, younger kids that you need to haul around, I still say that minivans are a vastly superior form, you know, form factor for that than SUVs, you know, unless, you know, unless you need to, you know, move seven people and, you know, tow a 5,000 pound boat, you know, or a 10,000 pound travel trailer at the same time, you know, minivans are so much better. You know, they're easier to get in and out of, especially to the third row, um, the sliding doors, you know, and the, the lower floor, you know, if you've got kids that you've got to strap into booster seats um, or, or child seats, it is so much easier to get them in and out of a minivan than it is an SUV. Um, you know, this one, uh, the, the Pacifica, you know, is, I think, you know, it's, I guess, about four years uh, since it first came out now. I think it's a 2017 model. Um, and it's, you know, it's got a refresh for this year, mid-cycle refresh. So it's got revised front end styling um you know the the biggest you know some of the biggest changes to this one are the new uconnect 5 infotainment system which i'll come back to in a minute mm-hmm. um it they now have brought back all-wheel drive as an option which used to be an option on the chrysler minivans um until the last couple of generations um and it's also got the stow and go seats uh for both the second and third rows you know so you can the third row seats can flip back into the the well at the back behind the rear axle, uh, leaving a flat floor back there. And then there's also um, a couple of wells in front of the second row seats that you can drop the second row seats forward and down into that and leave a completely flat floor without the hassle like in the old days with, with the vans where if you wanted to to haul some some larger cargo, uh, you'd have to you know take the seats out and leave them in your garage. Now you can just drop them down into these wells in the floor, have a flat floor. Fantastic for that. So you've got incredible flexibility here. Um, the uh, and the all wheel drive was handy, uh, you know, being, you know, December in, in Michigan, uh, we did get some snow and, you know, in my neighborhood, you know, there's some some roads where in the past, uh, I, you know, they've got a, a fairly significant slope where I've had challenges with certain cars getting them up that slope when they're snowy and icy. And <clears throat> excuse me. And this one just climbed right up the hill. No problem at all. Um, so the all wheel drive can be a very handy feature if you live in cold weather climates. Uh, and some of the other new features uh, for this year, uh, one of the one of the really cool features is what they call the fam cam, uh, which has cameras mounted in the, the headliner 
of the van that uh, you can pull it up on the screen. You know, in the you know, I know myself in the past. You know, when my kids were young, uh, we we'd have a little uh, mirror, little you know, uh, mm-hmm. conca- convex mirror that we would clip onto the the roof or the the you know, onto the uh, sun visor or something that would give us a view of the kids in the back seat. Um, you know, this takes it a step further. So you've got views of both the second and third row seats and you know you can tap on the screen and zoom in to, to different seating positions you know and check you know so if you've got a, a baby in a in a rear-facing car seat in, in one of the the seating positions you know you can take a look make sure they're okay things like that um so that's also very handy um uh you know great great features to have in a family hauler I think they've done a really nice job of putting those in, of really saying, embracing who their audience is. Yeah. And, you know, it's their, their features, they're, they're the, the kinds of features that, you know, when you think about who is the intended audience for this, mm-hmm. you know, what are the kinds of features that would actually be useful to them? They're not just gimmicks. They're actually really genuinely useful. Things like right. that, like that fam cam are genuinely useful. And the way they've uh, they integrated it, you know, in the Uconnect 5 system. So Uconnect 5 is their new infotainment system uh, that it's one of the first ones that's based on Android Automotive, which we've talked about in the past. So this is a version of Google's Android operating system that is optimized to be the base OS for operate for infotainment systems and cars. You know, in the past, some manufacturers like Honda have used the Android open source project uh, code as the base, the basis for their infotainment system. And they build their own interface on top of it. But, you know, those, that system, you know, was designed for phones. Um, it's not really designed as a car operating system. Android automotive takes that and extends that and, and modif- and optimizes it for use as an automotive infotainment system. And, it works great. You know, it's, it's quick. It's responsive. The, the, the standard 10.1 inch display that's in the Pacifica for 2021 uh, looks really good. Very, very bright, contrasty, uh, it, you know, it, whether, you know, sunlight or, or in the dark, you know, it looks really good. Um, it, it responds very well. You know, there's no no lag or latency when you're tapping on things. The interface itself is well designed, you know, nice large touch targets. It's easy to navigate around. Everything is is fairly straightforward. Um, there's a strip at the top uh, where, you know, one of the icons on that strip uh, is, you know, takes you direct to FamCam. So, you know, and that's that's pers- that's a persistent strip that stays there along the top of the screen. So you can one tap, you can get the, the, the views, you know, three camera view of the back seats and see what's going on. So if you're on a road trip. One tap, you can see exactly what's happening behind you. Um, unfortunately, the particular vehicle that was sent to me uh, turns out the the UConnect box, the 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 connectivity box uh, that handles the uh, the communications to the outside world was non functional, um, and it's they're investigating. You know, it's not clear if it was a problem with the particular box or the, the one they sent me just hadn't been programmed properly or what the deal was. They're going to get me another one. But what that means is that some of the features of Uconnect 5 were not available. So, for example, um, with Uconnect 5, um, the, the base digital voice assistant system that's built in there is um, uh, Amazon's Alexa voice services. 
And so, uh, you know, when you want to pull up music or uh, navigate and, you know, anything else, you know, you would do with voice controls, um, you tap on the, the voice button uh, and the, the default uh, would be Alexa voice services. And normally the way that works um, on, on many of these newer systems, they're hybrid systems. So they've got some component of the voice control that's built into the infotainment system for when you lose connectivity. So you, you still have basic voice control for navigation and things like that. Does it but change personalities? Like when you, <laughs> you can, you can change the voices. Um, and, no, but like uh, when it drops from like the, the connected oh, one it, it to goes, the It goes side. to a uh, simpler, uh, simpler system, more like traditional voice recognition. So it's not, it's not as natural language capable. Oh, as the cloud-based system, um, because you know you, you can't do a lot of that stuff locally. So there, it's got a backup system that can handle basic functionality, but uh, it can't do some of the more sophisticated things that you could normally do with an Amazon Echo type device. And essentially, <clears throat> when it's working, it is essentially an Amazon Echo in your car. Uh, so anything you can do with an Echo, you can do with with Alexa voice services. Um, it, it's uh, as I said, that wasn't functioning in this one because it couldn't communicate with the cloud. Uh, and there were a few other things that uh, as a result also didn't didn't work properly. Um, so I'm going to get another one in a few weeks and <clears throat> it should be working. I spent some time on the phone with uh, the guys at Chrysler to try to diagnose it. And they, and um, they found out what was going on. So they're going to get me another one. Um but aside from that, you know, the rest of it was was really good. It has part of <clears throat> part of what you get with the with Uconnect 5 is um, wireless um, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay support. Uh, and there's a wireless charger built in underneath the uh, underneath the, the center stack. Uh, so once you once you set once you get in uh, first time you get in, you connect to Bluetooth. It asks you if you want to connect to Android Auto or Apple CarPlay, depending on which device you're using, uh, you can then you can set that up and then you, you don't have to mess with that again. Then next time you get in the car, you don't even have to take your phone out of your pocket or purse. Uh, it just as long as your Bluetooth and Wi-Fi are on on your phone, it'll connect and you can use those interfaces. And <clears throat> when you're doing that, you still get to use uh, Google Assistant or Siri, depending on which device you're using. Uh, and it's using the connection through your phone to, to do those. Um, uh, and as with many of the other cars that they've tested, um, you know, it's a tip. And I think I can't remember which one, which one it was that you had Rebecca that you had the issue with where um, when you were connected with Android auto, you couldn't use the base, um, the, the, the embedded voice control system. That's the Mazda CX-9. Is that the CX-9? Okay. Yeah. Um, and it turns know, out with, that that's also true with other, the newer Mazda systems. Yeah. So with, um, with most other vehicles, um, you know, if you do a quick tap on the voice button on the steering wheel, it brings up whatever the default uh, voice recognition system is. And in this case, it would normally be Alexa. Um, and then a long press on that voice button will bring up the phone's assistant uh, and that worked, that part worked fine. Um, so no complaints there. You know, I get in the car, I drop my phone on the wireless charger, uh, Android auto connects and, you know, I can use whichever system I prefer. Um, so, you know, as far as the cost goes, yes, you know, this particular one, you know, was pretty much loaded up. Uh, it was a, 
beautiful new color called Ocean Blue. Uh, it had the the S package, you know, which gives you the blacked out grill and and uh, wheels and everything. And actually, kind of looks like you know if you put uh, a red dome light on the roof, you know, it would look like a Michigan State Police minivan <laughs> if the State Police drove Pacificas instead of uh, <clears throat> instead of uh, Chargers and. Uh, and how much Explorers. was it again? This one was fifty five thousand dollars. Okay, because I was just looking. I had one in last year in 2019 that was fifty thousand, and it also had the S appearance package and a couple other things. So I'll be interested to see. What yeah, it well, did this have. one also had all wheel drive, which wasn't available uh, last uh, year. Okay, right. Um, so you know the all wheel okay, drive is you know, very handy to have in winter time. How did sure. they do all wheel drive? Is it? Um... Is there like a drive shaft for it? Or is it all yeah. just electric motor on the rear axle? No, there, there's a there's a drive shaft. Uh, so all wheel drive is only available with the the 3.8 liter uh, or 3.6 liter Panastar V6. Mm -hmm. uh, if you get the plug in hybrid version, it's still front wheel drive only. So there's no. And that's what I had. Yeah. So there's no yeah. um, all wheel drive option right now with the plug in hybrid. Um, but you can put snows on. Don't forget. Yes, and and yeah. that's you know, you know highly recommended. You know if you yeah. drive somewhere where there's a lot of snow, um, and so the the touring model starts at thirty five thousand uh, dollars, and then you know it goes up from there. Uh, you know, adding adding all wheel drive uh, is about a three thousand dollar option on the touring or the touring L. The limited starts at forty eight three ninety. The pinnacle at fifty three four, um, and uh, last year. Uh, when one of the things that uh, Chrysler did when they discontinued the old Dodge Caravan, the previous generation Dodge Caravan, is that finally discontinued? Like out? It's, like it's, it's it's done. They're no longer in production. No longer building them. No longer building them. Um, oh. They do they do offer the um, speaking of twenty. They, they revived cars. the Voyager branding for a baseline right. model. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, so you can you can get the the Voyager, which starts at twenty seven thousand two thirty five. So it's basically a, a slightly decontented version of the Pacifica. Uh, and that, that, as I said, that's you know, that's a much more affordable at twenty seven thousand two thirty five, you know, twenty twenty eight thousand, you know, with delivery. Um, and uh, those, you know, those that's still you know, you still have you know a lot of the it, you still have the same core vehicle, you know, so it drives well, handles well. Um, you know, it's got a, a nice powertrain in it. Um, I did most of my driving around town. Um, the gas engine version is not the most fuel efficient. You know, I mean, it's fairly typical of a of a minivan like this. You know, EPA fuel economy uh, combined rating is 20 miles per gallon, 17 city, 25 highway. Um, frankly, you know, if I was going to buy one, unless you really want an all wheel drive, I would really recommend considering the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid instead. Um, because Which also doesn't really get great fuel economy. Like, uh, it does better, but. Uh, no, I, actually, I've had I've had really good experience with the, yeah. with the hybrid. Yeah, it gets about, uh, depending on, you know, you're, you're driving anywhere from 30 to 35 miles of electric driving range. So, you know, with on a full charge, you know, you can do most of your daily driving without ever using a drop of gas. Yeah, I did 35 miles, 35 miles per gallon um, on average when I had it. And that was with 33 miles of rain of charge of EV range. Yeah. OK. So and, that's, and getting upper 30s it. is not hard, you know, uh, as, a, as yeah, an average. We all know I, yeah. I don't try. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I think part of it probably was the way that I used it when I had it, um, where it was longer, longer drives and. 
I I don't know. I can't recall being super impressed by the fuel economy. That was so mine was I drove it for an hour when I got 35. And then here's another screenshot I took that I got 34 on a shorter drive, 25 minutes, 34 on a 23 minute drive. But I mean, that's pretty good. And obviously I wasn't I didn't have a lot of people in it. I wasn't hauling a lot of stuff. But, you know, the other thing I like is the range. It's got 400 miles of range. Mm -hmm. With that, and as, and as Sam said, you know, in the if you're doing well, it, it's hard to know how families are using it now, but you know, if you're doing some errands in the morning and then can come home and charge it back up, especially if you have a level two charger, then you can do your afternoon errands with on EV again, yeah, and get you know 60 miles of range in a day potentially i got very chewed out by somebody who i think unfriended me now um an old college roommate an old college friend who um was very derogatory about my discussion i remember when i had this about uh, a family running errands on ev and he's like if you really think that a family of four can run 35 miles of errands you have no idea blah 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 blah, blah. and i was like whatever see ya and so <laughs> but if you've got that level two again and every can, family's different but yeah every family's different if you have a small a small town and you know so anyway i think that ev is a great i think i think the hybrid's a great choice you know what that is that's privilege talking right that's well <laughs> And, yeah, and and the other the other advantage, yeah the the other advantage to the hybrid is it's still eligible for a seventy five hundred dollar federal tax credit. Oh, that's amazing! So, See, there you go. You so know, now you're in the forties. It's like that's like a forty forty eight thousand dollar car, right? Right, and uh, you know the. Let's see, where's uh, that's pretty impressive though. I mean, if if you can get that, that does make a you know why wouldn't you want to save that kind of dough? Well, and I think, too, one of the things, uh, thinking back, that I didn't do is I don't know that I charged the Pacifica. So I think I ran it just yeah. as a hybrid. So Right. And, you know, uh, clearly it's, you know, it's not going to do as well. And, you know, a, a vehicle this size is never going to get, you know, 50 miles per gallon like a Prius. Um, but, you know, if you can get, you know, 30, 35 miles per gallon, you know, as, as a hybrid with this thing, which is very doable, uh, and, you know, when you if you charge it regularly, you know, doing most of your driving on electricity, it, you know, it's far more efficient. And the hybrid the hybrid touring, you know, for this year, um, they made the the hybrid available across all four uh, trim level across all mm -hmm. the trim levels on the Pacifica. Smart. So like you can get the hybrid touring uh, sticker. The sticker price starts at forty thousand. So, you know, with the tax credit, you're looking down at, you know, under thirty three thousand dollars. Uh, to start with, which you know is, is actually pretty reasonable. So here's the thing about being right about the minivan, uh, because every time we have one, we say this. You know, they're the best sort of option for carrying people and things and efficiently. And you know, if we can get thirty with the the hybrid, that's that's pretty great. Um, that's better than uh, I recall. So uh, any anything above that is sort of like gravy. A, a vehicle with that much utility that's that's that efficient is is pretty great. But nobody seems to care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that we're right. Um, and this is the, I guess this is the burden of being right. Correct. Uh, Wait, just, what do you mean nobody seems to care? Uh, I, nobody, I think there's no, fewer and fewer people are buying minivans. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. The, and yeah. that's what, that's I mean, and, and they'll freely admit they'll be like, yeah, you're right. 
but we're gonna go buy something else <laughs> yeah we're gonna, okay we're, like we're gonna go buy a durango instead you yeah, know or fine but also but people a, are having smaller families as well there's more and more yeah, because cars cost uh, a year's worth of income <laughs> no because they don't want family they don't want kids i don't blame them <laughs> uh, well who's gonna pick your your nursing home yeah, <laughs> I've got that all figured out. Don't oh, worry. Well, well, you know, you know, Cry- the nephews. You know Cry- Chrysler has found a very interesting market niche for the Pacifica hybrid, though. Uh, that's all the companies developing uh, automated vehicles, robo taxis. These are very yeah. popular you know, because it's uh, it's the only plug in hybrid minivan. Um, they have become very popular. You know, obviously, Waymo you know, is best known, but companies like Voyage, um, uh, Motional, um, Aurora, uh, Auto X, you know, there's a bunch of companies that are using these now as their the base vehicle for their automated driving development. Uh, because, you know, especially, you know, as a for that robo taxi application, if you're not going to develop a purpose built robo taxi like the Cruise Origin or the Zooks vehicle, you know, this is the next best thing. You know, you've got sliding doors, power sliding doors uh, on both sides, easy access to the thing. It's a plug in hybrid. Um, you know, so, you know, it's more, more efficient and you've got the electrical power to power the, the AV system. Uh, so, and, you know, Chrysler, when, when Waymo first went to Chrysler back in 2016 and wanted to buy some, you know, they said, okay, well, you know, we'll sell you, we'll sell you the vans. But, you know, given, you know, at that time it was just, it was a hundred to start with for their first batch. They said, okay, we'll work with you to build a, a custom, uh, wiring harness you know, for this thing. So you don't, because up to that point, every time Waymo or Google were, were buying vehicles for their test fleet, you know, they would buy, they would go and buy Priuses or Lexus RX hybrids. And they would have to go in and tap into the wiring harness on every one of these, you know, to, to hook up all their sensors and their compute. And every one was a custom build. And Chrysler said, okay, you know, you're buying a hundred of these and, and hopefully a lot more will put together a custom version of the wiring harness for you and install it on the, on the assembly line in the factory. So it becomes basically plug and play um, for, for that. And, you know, they've subsequently added, you know, additional things like redundant braking systems, redundant power steering systems. And that's why all these other companies are buying Pacificas now because Chrysler is offering essentially an AV ready version of the Pacifica hybrid to these companies. You so and, is that the trick? You have to buy like a hundred of them and then they'll build you exactly what you want. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you, if you buy a hundred and you have the potential to buy thousands more like, like Waymo, you know, then, well, uh, I yeah. have impeccable taste. So a hundred cars configured the way I would like them will be very popular. Once people find out that I have, have designed. The well, package. you see that that's what we have to do. Then you have to configure a custom Pacifica and then we can convince everybody to buy Pacificas again. Right. It's the Pacifica wheel bearings package. Yeah, mm. perfect. <laughs> yes, they all, they, I hope they all come with wheel bearings, but yeah. you know. All I know is I want the pinnacle so I can have the little pillow, which I actually do oh, have the little pillow. Yeah. That was a good oh, that that Does pinnacle have like the. Um, uh, yeah, it's got um, the quilted pillows. The, that, yes. Quilted yeah, leather I'm, pillows. They're really nice. I think nice. I'm thinking of the. Uh, the Sienna that has like the lazy boys though, right? Like the little. Yes. Uh, the, yeah. The Toyota Sienna, which I had the, a couple weeks Kia, ago. The Kia Sedona had those as well. Had Does like, it? Yeah. Yeah. Had reclining seats with the Ottoman that comes up and everything like a first yeah, class. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nope. I wish you could drive like that. <laughs> Just pretty awesome. All right. What yeah. about you, Rebecca? What'd you have? Yeah. What, well, Rebecca well, had something that's uh, rather luxurious too, I, right? I'm a little afraid to say, given that, 
that Dan is on his everyman rant this morning. But no, no, it's it's fine. Dan's always on an everyman I'm rant. So. Listen, I am the shop steward in this place. <laughs> I had the 2021 BMW 540i xDrive sedan, and it was delish. I'm I was going to say lie. that doesn't that doesn't suck. That's it didn't suck. Yeah. It didn't suck. It just you know, first of all, <laughs> number one most important thing, it does not have the new grill so Mm. that so that's the number one thing that people should know (laughs) and if you don't know what the new grill looks like you're lucky (laughs) (laughs) is it it's been very polarizing uh, among journal like auto auto enthusiasts and and car writers but is it that big of a deal i i don't understand how it's polarizing and the reason i say that is because why it's would anybody just, actually like it? Exactly. There <laughs> well, isn't I, I, anything polarizing so about I, it. I mean, have you had the luxury of seeing it in person? Because I haven't. So no, I have I not. But you know what, though? But I also did not see Bette Midler in Hocus Pocus live. And I can say <laughs> that that's sub op as well. <laughs> uh, so I think... My impression is that, and and I don't want to derail us into this car doesn't have the grill anyway, but um, the, there are some models like the, the four series that have the grill that in some shots, they look good and others, they look awkward. And so depends on what you've been drinking or what you've been. In in fairness, I will go down. There is a BMW dealership not far from me. I will go down even today and look at them. I did not mean to give you homework. You don't have to. Because I know you're absolutely right though. I should go see it in person. And the dealerships used to be, I used to live not far from them, but now it's not in a part of town that I necessarily need to go ever. And so, um, because Greenwich is larger than people realize, but so it's, it's in the southern part of Greenwich. I live in the northern part of Greenwich. It's probably six miles away, which doesn't sound very far, but I will make a concerted effort to go to the other side of the tracks and check. Well, you should be able to do that on a, you should be able to do that on a full charge electric. Charge. Uh, yeah. It, no, you're absolutely right. I should. So, so yeah, so I had this and I, there's a couple things that, that struck me. So first of all, it's, um, it's wonderful to drive. It's quiet. It's incredibly comfortable. Um, I, I, I drove it in comfort mode and then I turned it to sport and that was just stupid fun. And I could get myself into a lot of trouble with that. Um, there's, there's a, there's a road not far from me that is, uh, in very poor shape and really needs to be repaved. And it's actually the perfect place to drive things because, you know, nowadays, a lot of the roads, uh, are, are often paved and, and, you know, the, the only surface change you really get is just the different sounds you can get from surface changes. But this one in particular for me is ideal to drive on and see how the car really responds. And in comfort mode, this thing was probably one of the quietest that I've had in terms of, of that both engagement, but also very comfortable. And again, the sport was even more fun than when I put it in there. But the one thing, (laughs) so my brother Larry's visiting from California and rest assured we quarantined and then we got tested before we, uh, five days into his visit. And uh, we had so much fun in this car. However, the infotainment system, which is, you know, often dominates our conversations about these vehicles. It has that gesture control, which my only gesture to that thing is usually my middle finger inappropriately and not ladylike you at know. all. But 
It's much worse when two half Italian people are in the car. <laughs> because you talk oh with your God, hands all the time. Oh yeah, my God, let me tell you. <laughs> we set off that thing. It did all sorts of stuff. <laughs> just wait till it, you find out what it ordered from Alexa or from uh, from Amazon for you. Like things just going to show up at the door. So, so even the, so, Larry is very Norwegian looking. He he looks just like my dad. Very tall, blonde hair, blue eyed, exactly like me, right? And so, and but we do both talk with our finger, our hands. We gesture, and it's very very funny to watch that thing. Like try to figure out in its German austerity what the hell. Italians are talking about. So that was the one, that was the only thing that was kind of a downside. But otherwise, you know, it just it was beautiful. It's got a 3.0 liter, uh, the twin turbo inline six, uh, all wheel drive. This one has, I think the horsepower is in the threes. Let me just grab so that. I think it's 355, like, um, isn't it? 335. So you had the 540, right? I had the 540i X Drive. Uh, so yeah. that's a hybrid too, right? No. Yes, exactly. No, the, the, so, so, so this one had, this one has the um, the 48 volt mild hybrid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So which was I think Dan was thinking of the plug-in. That's the 540e. No, no, no. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't have oh, the 540e. Right, no. Yeah. no, I had the eBoost 48 volt mild hybrid, which actually made that the stop start really transparent nice and smooth right and super smooth and larry you know he's he's not a huge fan of some of the different hybrids that he he before covid he used to rent he used to travel even more than i did sometimes and rents a bunch of different cars all the time and is not a fan of stop start and so i deliberately didn't tell him i was like you know we were at a traffic light and i knew the car was in stop start and he didn't feel it at all and then when we accelerated out i told him i said you know that was just a good example of how much better stop start has gotten. And he didn't even realize it. And so, you know, from that standpoint, they've done a really, really nice job with it overall, you know, gorgeous interior. I mean, just a really warm, it had this chocolate brown interior, which I absolutely love. Well, that's, that's hard to dislike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. It really is. It's just so pretty. So which um, shade of white, black, or gray did it have on the exterior? It had white. It had white. <laughs> Alpine no, seriously, I'm looking at the colors. So it's you can get <laughs> there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's nine colors. Uh Alpine White, uh Bernina Gray. So so gray. Uh bluestone metallic, so that's bluish gray. Uh Phytonic Blue Metallic. So that's blue. Okay, so you can get blue. Um Mineral White, so another white. Yeah, uh, let me see if it was dark mineral graphite. white or so regular white. It doesn't gray. say that. Silver. Does it, it doesn't really black. matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Metallic black. Like, well, guys. Funny. So a friend of mine who used to work at BMW, who was transferred over to Germany. And this was um, probably more than 10 years ago now. And he ordered his company car and he gets to uh, the gets to Munich and sees the parking lot. And his colleagues just like glanced at him askance because yes, his was the only red car in the entire <laughs> parking lot. Oh, but I mean, well, at least you can find it. Yeah, yeah very easily. Was he I mean, also Italian? Like, imagine trying trying to find your car in you know in, in a in a field of, you know a thousand you know monochromatic five series. You know. Exactly. Uh, life yeah. is too short to be a chromophobe. Like, just. 
You put some put some pigment on that thing. <laughs> but no, it it was really it was a joy to drive. And you know, one of the things that sometimes with some of the cars now, I feel like there's not that emotional connection. You know, I've I've struggled with some of the Lexus that I've had, which is very much a first world problem, I realize. Um, but there isn't that there isn't that emotional connection. And there definitely was with this BMW. Uh, it was also very handy because the the middle in the in the back seat, the the middle compartment goes down, and so we actually had to go to Home Depot and get a piece of lumber for some work that my brother's doing here, and it worked. It was great. We actually slid like an eight foot piece of lumber through that thing. Yep. I mean, <laughs> it on the top of the desk. It's designed, designed for skis, but you know, yes, exactly. But you know, two by four, a couple of two by fours yeah. would work just fine. Right, skis just, had been made out of lumber you know, back in the day. Right, <laughs> exactly. So no, I think you know I. I think the BMW has certainly they've had some struggles over the last couple of years, uh, you know, with the resurgence of Audi uh, in particular and really Mercedes Benz. You know, I remember when I moved back from Saudi in 2015, uh, BMW was you know, what I had left in 2013, they were really doing very well. And when I came back in 15, Mercedes was the one that had really grown the most in terms of, of excitement for product and, and interesting product. And now, but I think that, you know, BMW uh, has started to find its way maybe a little bit, but again, I, I, I will say I am concerned about that grill because that's not okay. BMW seems to have this sort of love-hate relationship with legacy that it's built for itself. Mm. The cars are getting less and less driver-centric and more and more techno-centric. And it's, they're, I, I think they're making the moves that the, the customers ultimately want. It's just, as a enthusiast, it's it's hard to 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 understand it sometimes when they had been sort of our benchmark. And I don't know that they are really our performance benchmark anymore. I think that um, maybe not the five, but certainly the three, I kind of shrug a bit about it. You know, it's, it's still a BMW. It's going to do the BMW stuff, but it's not necessarily the car I would pick if I was looking for a thrilling drive anymore. And, And I think that says something. Well, I think that, you know, this is very much a demographic issue and challenge for them because I, 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 15 years ago when I bought my place in Boston, I remember I, I had a BMW, a lot of the people in the, in the, you know, in their parking lot, we either had BMWs or Audis. And then this kid moved up from Atlanta and he had a Mercedes. And I remember he said to me, he's like, why doesn't anyone have a Mercedes? I'm like, because those are old people cars. That's, <laughs> like, well, that's true. They uh, are. You know? But I think and, that's and this shifting. Was, again, 15 years ago, I bought the place yeah. in 2006. So I, uh, but, you know, at that time I had, I had three BMWs uh, all, all in a row. I had two X3s and then an X5, which was way too big, but they were fun. They were exciting. There wasn't a single Mercedes I even considered buying. And Audi was resurgent because none of our baby boomer parents had them or siblings had them because they had alienated them with the unintended acceleration issue, you know, way back in, what was that yeah. in the eighties? It was like 80, yeah, 80, 84, yeah. 85. Thanks. So Thanks, this was, Dateline. so this was very 60 minutes. <laughs> 60 but this minutes, was very yeah. much, was 60 minutes, yeah. yes. This was very much a you know, BMW was and and Audi were brands that our parents didn't drive and we could make our luxury brand. And so 
But the problem then is that I think Audi in particular, I remember giving a presentation in Germany and telling BMW, you have got to watch out for Audi because demographically in the US, that's what people under 30 wanted. And then, you know, and, and it, it really proved to be true. Their styling came out. They changed, you know, they changed their proportions, right? They went to, is it transverse? I can never remember what. No, they're still longitudinal uh, engines, but they, they move. It used to be, you know, in the, up until the, the late 90s or early 2000s, the engines hung out in front of the front axle. So you had this oh, long right. hood okay, and long so front overhang. Yeah, right. so they, they moved the engine back. Um, okay. So it's it's more like a traditional vehicle. And that was like a billion dollar investment to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not a small feat. But so then it became their proportions became better looking and such. So so, you know, with all that said, I think, you know, this five series was just an absolute delight to drive. I really I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, um, and, you know, and and as well, I should. I mean, I think I don't know if I gave the price point. It starts at sixty one seven. Uh, and then the one that I had was almost seventy eight thousand. It did have the M package. It had the dynamic handling package, driver assist, which actually was very non intrusive, which I liked um, the premium pack remote engine start, heated front seats, the heads up display. One of the things that I loved in this and the infotainment system in the infotainment, the, um, the backup cameras and the parking assist, when you are in the parking assist mode, it, the, the graphic shows when you open the doors. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And I have a couple of pictures of it. I can, we can put in the show notes, but I loved that because then when you're, you know, pulling in, you can see exactly how wide your door can swing. And just as a side note to go talk about the Pacifica, I've said this before, if you need to pick a place to park next to, if you need to pick a car to park next to, pick a minivan, because then your only chances of having one door hit your car as opposed to two doors hit your car. (laughs) I try to park far away and then walk and then invariably some schmuck parks next to me. It's like, well, that's because the spaces in this parking lot. Yes. They do that on purpose. <laughs> so that's why. So that's what I drove, and it was absolutely delightful. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting um, to see what the market response is to BMW's new EVs when they start launching next year with the iX, which we've talked about before, and the i4, uh, yep. which is their electric sedan. And I just dropped a link um, in the in our chat uh, so you can see what that looks like. You know, and that's you know. I, guessing like somewhere between a four and five series today uh, sedan that is going to be all electric. Uh, And I wonder if we'll start to get back some of that, any of that traditional BMW performance character into car, especially the i4, um, you know, to see what they, what they can achieve with that as they go electric. Um, Because, you know, that's clearly, you know, you're losing the, the powertrain, which has always been a an important part of BMW, and mm. obviously it's their middle name, but in right. yeah. uh, going going to electric, you know, and going up, you know, more directly against brands like Tesla uh, and Lucid and and uh, many you know many of the others that are coming out. Uh, this is twenty twenty one and beyond is going to be a very interesting time to watch. It will be so Um, many reasons. Yeah. I mean, as (laughs) what's interesting about what's coming out in 2021 is that this is the emergence of those uh, some of those newer 
brands versus legacy brands. So you've got Rivian coming out, uh, Lucid, Fisker. You know, it'll be really interesting to see what emerges uh, as the year unfolds from new upstarts and from the legacy brands. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There's not a whole, we're in that, I think the term is interregnum, right? <laughs> There's just, uh, in between years now, everybody sort of had the, the end of year holiday, uh, sort of furlough. And then we're back at the first week of the year. Nothing has happened yet. Yeah. And in, 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 in the old days, you know, this would have been the year when we've got all kinds of stories in our pocket um, of embargoed <sighs> news for the Detroit Auto Show that we can't Very talk about. Yet. You know, stuff we've been briefed on over the last couple of weeks of the year that we can't talk about until the auto show starts. Except now the auto show is going to be in September uh, if, and yeah, if it happens. scheduled for yeah. September. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, the first the first auto show I think we've got scheduled now is uh, New York in May, I think. Or, or is it L.A.? L.A. There? I think Actually, it's L.A. 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 in May. New York's going to be in August. Uh, I don't know when the Chicago show is going to be. It's not going to be in February. Um, so, you know, and then the, the only other thing we've got is CES, you know, which is a, a week away, you know, maybe next week we might be able to start talking about some of that prop, probably not. Um, so, you know, there's, there's no news basically is yeah. what I'm saying. Right. So, so and we don't have year end results yet either because yeah. we're keeping this too soon. Right. So, too so early in the year. What, were, what were some of your highs and lows uh, automotively speaking, uh, of, of the past year? Dan, yeah. why don't you go first to follow our garage? All right, I'll go order. first. So, I mean, I really loved the amount of trucks I got to drive this year. I drove more pickups this year than I did, I think, in the, the previous couple of years. It was, for whatever reason, and I think this was almost a, a media loan sort of fleet-wide thing. Everybody got a lot of trucks. Truck sales went through the roof <laughs> uh, this this year once auto sales kind of recovered a bit from the spring. And it was it was great because they do sell in such big numbers. They're such versatile vehicles. They're so popular. I get to to drive basically everything Ford makes. I drove um, Rams and and uh, Chevys, and and I really I liked that quite a bit. Uh, but I don't know that. While I loved all the trucks, and I certainly have my favorite. Um, I don't think that's the favorite thing I drove all year. Um, but I, I will say my, my favorite truck was the Silverado. I liked that quite a bit. Um, and I had, and I had the truck. Why was that? Uh, it's, it's quiet and smooth and refined. Um, I like the way it looks. I, I like the way it goes down the road. I like the, you know, the seating position. Um, people talk about the, the interior quality and the GM's lagging. I don't know that it's any worse than, uh, you know, like Ford. It's definitely better than what I've seen in the Tundra. Um, the, I haven't had a Titan in a while. Um, the Ram is certainly the king of <laughs> interior quality. Uh, but it was, it was, 
it wasn't offensive to me. You know, it was comfortable and and um, everything worked nicely. It just it was it really good to drive, even with the the uh, Trail Boss package that has the knobbier tires and. Um, I managed to actually squeeze 20 miles per gallon out of that thing on the highway. Wow. Um, with, yeah, uh, well, with, with which engine? Was that the 5.3 or the? 5.3, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's got the, the raised suspension and the knobby tires, which don't do you any favors. Um, I was definitely trying, but, uh, mm. you know, the fact that you can do that when there's nobody else on the road because everybody's in <laughs> pandemic lockdown, <laughs> um, it helps. Uh, but the, the favorite thing I drove was actually another Chevrolet, the, the bolt. I finally got a chance to spend a week with the bolt and I just was really, really fascinated by it. And so impressed with how just how much of a total package it is. It just, it really fits everybody's needs. I think there's the cars are there, the hardware is there. And now we've got to get people over that emotional hump. Um, like you were saying, Rebecca, of your, your former college, uh, pal who doesn't, you know, has, has some range anxiety, doesn't think that the average family can, can do whatever on, on X amount of range. And this had, you know, 250 miles of range charging. Wasn't really a huge deal. Um, part of what you do, I found myself thinking about range a little bit more and and just planning my trips, which it, it sounds like it's extra effort, but it, it's not really. And it's almost like you, you start to think in a more efficient way. You start to think in a way to maximize your efficiency, which we probably should do anyway, even with, uh, you know, gasoline vehicles. That's been one of the things that, that people talk about to boost efficiency is plan your trips, almost like be your own logistics manager. <laughs> and so you, you think about plan your route. So you're not making multiple side trips and, and being inefficient and you try to get it all done at once. Uh, and you do that really naturally with an EV because your range is a little bit more limited. Um, and some, don't some of the apps kind of try and help with that? Like, I would love to have that sort of, I remember walking around CES and kind of thinking this way of like, you know, on a Saturday, like, like analyzing your driving patterns to say, okay, you know what, typically on a Saturday you go, let's just make that, but you go to the bank, you go to the post office and you go to the grocery store and maybe you pick up a kid from something and, you know, saying, okay, if you do it in this order, that's the most efficient. You know what I mean? I think that there's yeah, opportunities most, most, for that. Most manufacturers are, you know, Certainly in terms of your routing, you know, they're they're developing eco routing systems, you know, that for any given day, you know, will, you know, will find them, you know, for any given trip, will find the most efficient route for that trip. But um, even scheduling, right. you know what I mean? And like that's that's a little more challenging, you know, because yeah. obviously they've got to look at your prior patterns and, and habits. And, you know, I think. Uh, a lot of people are going to have privacy concerns around that, but yeah, I mean, um, if you have it, if it's, you know, your own account, your own, yeah, you know, it's not no, something that's and, publicly. And I, I, I think, I think that's, that's something we will see more of, you know, and manufacturers are looking at how to do that, how to implement that in a way that, uh, you know, they can do it locally, you know, and, right. and, you know, keep your information pri as private as possible. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, though. I think it'll definitely come through the apps. Um, you know, like BMW and Volvo are pretty attuned to that, where the app extends the the usefulness of the, the car, or it extends the integration of the car into your life. The car actually becomes almost an app of its own, uh, right. where it will do those things. It will 
you know, because it needs inputs too. It needs to pay attention to traffic. Uh, so it, it can say, hey, your normal commute at X time, you may want to leave a little early or there's, there's a right. traffic problem. Like Waze just, does. Yeah, exactly. So, right. uh, and yeah, and all Vol- that's. Vol- yeah. Volvo is going to be interesting to watch because they, you know, they're shifting to their new infotainment system that's also based on Android Automotive. And unlike Chrysler, you know, which has chosen not to use uh, the Google mm-hmm. Automotive services, um, Volvo and and Polestar are using that. So their base navigation system is Google Maps and, uh, you know, and and they're going to have Google Assistant in there. And if you have, you know, location history turned on in Google Maps and your Google Maps account, you know, like for me, you know, when I use Android Auto, uh, you know, and I, I get in the vehicle, you know, it knows where I am, you know, based on the time of day, it knows it, it can make a it can actually make a pretty good guess where I'm likely to go, where I'm likely mm-hmm. to want to go uh, based on my past history. And, you know, the first two options, you know, on destinations are, you know, very often, you know, the places where I might want to go to. I don't necessarily need navigation information to that. But when you put that into an EV, you know, that starts to get you to what you were just talking about, Rebecca. And I think, you know, as we start to see more manufacturers deploying um, Android Automotive as their their operating system with uh, with the Google Automotive services. I think that's where we will start to see some of that start to be deployed. Yeah, I, I just think, I don't like any of that. <laughs> and and I and I totally respect that because I've yeah. I've I understand I have plenty of friends that are you know far more concerned about privacy than efficiency. Uh, so I I. I respect that. And I remember actually, I think it was the Toyota Camry that I had that actually uh, showed the breadcrumbs on the route that I had driven, which I thought was really, really clever. And it was, it was frustrating though, too, because I remember I went to the local, my closest post office, they were out for lunch, uh, literally and figuratively. And so then I had to turn around and drive back up to another post office and the actually passing my house again and then going back. And it was when I got home, I looked at that route and I was like, wow, I knew it was inefficient as it was happening, but to have the visual of it as well was really fascinating and raised my awareness of, you know, saying, okay, I need to run these errands. What is the most efficient route factoring in traffic, factoring in all these different inputs that you have opportunities to, you know, I, I got a tweet just this morning uh, saying that this road up the street from me is closed because there was a car accident. Thankfully nobody was injured, but that road is closed, which it, there's no other reason for it to be closed. Um, And I wouldn't know other than this tweet, unless I go on ways to say, Hey, you know, it happens to be on the route to my mom's house. But as Sam said, like, I don't need navigation to my mother's house, obviously. Like, but I need that input for sure, because then I would alternate my route and go a different way. So those are the kinds of things. And if your battery's not charged, you know, then it can also say, hey, you know, if this is where you want to go, you should probably stop here to, you know, grab some juice. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that there's, you know, there's unfortunately, there's an element of of privacy. We need to, first of all, increase the privacy, increase the layers of privacy. Um, but there is always that little bit of sacrifice that you may have to give. You know, I know people that don't put on Google locations because it freaks them out and I don't blame them. You know, it is kind of, it's super creepy to see sometimes. 
Well, I think, yeah, for me, the issue is um, the convenience doesn't trump the the sort of black box of I don't know what other data they're they're getting and what they're doing. And I I know enough of what they're doing (laughs) with it that I just I I don't want to participate in that any more than I have to. But efficiency is still a concern. So you wind up doing it manually and you may not be as good as as the, you know, the app at routing yourself. Right. And for me, I you know, I feel like I like the idea of, well, there's pros and cons, right? Because we've right. talked about like how, you know, you'll talk to somebody about a product and then the next thing you know, your phone is just absolutely barraged by, uh, you know, by ads for that product. And it's like, I just mentioned it. I didn't say that I wanted to buy it and it's just creepy anyway. Um, but I also sort of am interested in the idea of, of, the person whose name I can't say because it will activate her, but A-L-E-X-A, <laughs> um, I, you know, saying, hey, I've, you know, I see you've got, you know, five different errands or five different appointments on your calendar. Would you like the most efficient route? You know, that that kind of stuff. You know, like I think about my niece and, you know, her different activities and, you know, it, it, it's just I, I think there's just opportunities there to manage EV range until it is no longer a concern, which is when it will be refueling it, quote unquote, refueling your EV is as seamless and convenient as refueling your internal combustion engine. Yeah. And and I think that what I was really impressed by the Bolt was how, um, how it just blends in. Like, and that's not to say that it, it doesn't uh it, it it doesn't have sort of any any kind of like verve or anything it's not it's not a bland car right. but it blends into your life uh really easily where i think people still think that going to an ev is it requires a level of sacrifice and it really doesn't um you've got 250 miles of range that's that's plenty for a round trip commute even for me when i was commuting to the office where i was doing 90 or 100 miles per day round trip wow uh it would have been fine. You know, I had another a hundred something miles of range or, you know, in the winter, <laughs> um, I'm sure that would have gotten cut in half, uh, running heat and stuff, but it, it like, it just works like a normal car and it drives really, really well. Uh, it was a little loud ish, but you know, that's part of what the, the class is, but I really liked the instrumentation, the, the controls, the, the fact that it just, felt really easy to make that transition from a gas car to an EV and have it just feel familiar. That's really important because not everybody's going to, to do well with that transition from a regular car to something, you know, like, like the Tesla's where everything is touchscreen and it's, it's a lot more sort of a a technophiles uh, environment in there. Um, That can be confusing as well. Uh, So I'm glad that we have options that are affordable. Charging is easy. It had the charge port card, which, uh, you know, just RFID to, to different chargers and it plugs in, you know, can do level two. Um, no problem. So I, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, it was mostly also an a introduction to using it for that, like, you know, to, to how do you get over that range anxiety? Like just the experience of needing to charge it fast. And I, I only have one ten at the house. So I had to go to the commuter rail station, use the level two chargers. So that's what it would be like if I needed to take a road trip, which is always sort of the hypothetical that people use to shoot down, getting an EV. It's not really a big deal. Like you're, 
on the whole, you're paying less for energy to put into it. Um, when you, especially if you charge at home and when you're out, you have to understand you're probably going to need to pay for the parking space plus the electricity. So there's a little bit, you know, it winds up not being as cheap as you might think, but it's also not terribly expensive. Well, it should um, be free. Gas isn't free. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I the the energy has got to come from somewhere. Right. <laughs> right. And, and then, like, that's kind of the, the sort of the, the fallacy that, and like, it needs to do everything a gas car can in any situation at all times and be a complete silver bullet for everybody always right before it can be viable and that's such nonsense like it, it really it does work for probably at least 60 percent of of people well, when the chevy volt came out didn't they say that that like 50 just yeah. under 50 miles of range was covering like 76 percent of commutes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know round trip commutes seven, 70, 75 yeah. 75 percent of americans daily driving is less than 40 miles yeah. Right. And and so going forward too, like I think that we're going to see a big shift where uh, right now miles driven are so, so much lower than they were last year. Um, and it's, there's, there's going to be a, a reluctance to go back to driving lots and lots of miles in gridlock if we don't have to, it makes no sense for me to just commute and go sit in an office. Yeah. Somewhere. I mean, that's very much an individual situation depending yeah. upon your job and a whole variety of things. But yeah, yeah, it'll so, be, I mean, we're still coming out. 2021 will be the year that everyone kind of figures out where do they work. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, if you look at the American population, you know, the, the American workforce, more than half of the U S workforce, you know, previously worked in some sort of office or, you know, service job uh, that, you know, did not necessarily require physical presence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a substantial portion of those going forward are not going to return to certainly not to daily commuting. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people are going to end up in some sort of hybrid situation where they maybe go to a, a, a job site, you know, uh, one, you know, once or twice a week uh, and, you know, work remotely the rest of the time. Yeah. yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting because the, the the people that I've spoken to about this issue, and obviously I'm job hunting, and so it is a constant issue that comes up. Um, I do find that the more the most senior people, whether it's a CEO or you know a second in command at a high level SVP. They tend to want people in the office. <laughs> yeah, I think some of it is, is perception and generational, where there's this idea that you don't do your best work unless you're in the office. And um, as a creative, I don't, I don't know that that's true. You know, creative tends to be one of those things where we all work a little differently. Right. And and um, you know, I I trend more introverted, so I actually I don't feed off people. Like I, that makes me tired. I need to. <laughs> to be alone in my workshop a bit before I'm am collaborating. You know, it's certainly it's it's you just have to know your your sort of the, how you get into to your abilities. And, I, and so, you know, it's much more productive for for me to have that alone time mm. before I'm then opening it up to collaboration, which is a necessary part of it. But it just it you can't start cold with with a blank sheet and like 10 people and and like for me that's that's really difficult so well, but th that's also one of the one of the biggest challenges is integrating new people into yeah. your corporate culture that existed before 
and now oh yeah your corporate culture that existed before is not it's not well, making it, a return right <laughs> hopefully and that's, not in many cases yeah. right exactly and so you know that's going to be a, a very difficult you know a, again like that's i think i think there's pros and cons to in office environment but learning how somebody works you know and i may have told the story i know i've told the story before but like when i went to work at kelly blue book i was the only remote employee they had no facilities with which i could interact with people they didn't use slack they everything was literally like like analog at the irvine office wow. and it was very very difficult unless i i was physically there it was very difficult to build relationships and i yeah. and i and in many cases um they ended up the first few first few months were fine i spent two weeks of the of the month out there and then there was a travel cut and they were like you know your trips out here are expensive and so i wasn't <laughs> able to take the advice that was given to me which was spend as much time out there as possible and you know those relationships that i made you know, we're both, I mean, some of them have still survived, but, but a lot of them haven't, and they certainly didn't thrive. And so that's, you know, as the new person coming in, that is an enormous challenge is building trust, building friendships, building those let's grab, you know, let's go out for lunch. Let's get drinks afterwards. Those things that build those relationships are going to be really challenging. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I see, be... and it's funny because like I and I this has probably hurt me throughout my career. I I um I don't tend to do that like, hey, let's go out for, for drinks after I'll do the lunch thing from time to time. But the the thing that I think has really facilitated those work relationships over the years has been stuff like Slack or email or other sort of chat platforms. Like I for Autoblog, we were all over the place and and you know, those are relationships that, you know, I, I'm still talking to those people. Sure. I mean, well, I mean, Sam's on the show. Yeah, well, you and I have never met Dan in person. Um, right. Uh, so it's, it's <laughs> if you're not going to do any of those things, though, yeah, it's going to be really hard if you're not going to use those tools that are available. So um, we're completely off. I know. I know. So <laughs> I have to, well, and to get us back on track, I will tell you that one of my favorite vehicles, I'm, and this is not to supersede, but it was the, the Hyundai Kona EV and a yeah. lot of what you talked about, that normalization of the EV powertrain. It is a powertrain choice as opposed, it's just an option. It's, it's, it's simply a powertrain option. So, you know, it's, you it's can like get, choosing between a four cylinder or six cylinder exactly. or diesel. Now you have one more. You have one more. And everything and I, else is the same. Everything else is the same. And I actually, I, I remember talking about this a couple weeks ago on the show. I far preferred the Kona EV to the Ionic. The Ionic felt like I was sacrificing the Kona EV. I could have driven that thing. I mean, I was sad to see that go. Uh, and, and I really, really enjoyed that. I didn't feel, it's been a couple of years since I was in the Chevy Bolt. I felt like that. I didn't have quite the same warm fuzzies as you had with it. I felt <laughs> like there was some compromises going on there. Um, but, you know, again, that was a couple of years ago. I'd love to get into one again and see how I feel now. But 
I just, that Hyundai Kona EV was, was really, really fantastic and echoed a lot of what you said about the Chevy Bolt. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the compromises are certainly there and visible. And I think that may be um, what charmed me a bit because you mm. can see the, the solutions being worked out, you know, because with an EV, every ounce matters. Right. Um, so some of the, the ways they kept weight out of the vehicle, like the, the little um, cover for the cargo and stuff, it was really wispy and, and mm. light. It was like a piece of fabric and a couple of bows and stuff. It was really, really <laughs> light versus a, like, you know, normally it's not all that heavy either. It's a, like a piece of molded, um, you know, fiberboard or something. Uh, but it just, little details like that to to really see how they they took it seriously and they changed some practices to to bring it to market and make it really you know competitive it was and it was well put together and and just well thought out so that impressed me quite a bit um well and similarly you know i made a point of in the kona ev heated and ventilated seats because then you have to cut you don't have to use hvac nearly as much and i do remember in the chevy volt it had heated seats. And one of the main reasons was so that, you know, in those cold frigid mornings, you can just put on your heated seats and you don't have to demand so much from your HVAC. It takes a lot less energy when you have a heated seat that's in direct contact with your body to keep you at a comfortable temperature than it does to heat the entire and you know what's going to make that transfer of heat more efficient is if you get the insulation layers out of the way so you should just drive in like a you know the least amount of clothing possible so you well, get that direct... speaking of my neighbor <laughs> I, I, so i don't know my, you guys may have seen my expression my my 20 something year old neighbor walked by i could see her out my office window this morning and it's like 32 degrees out in bare feet in capri length so just below the knee uh pants and a t-shirt like almost like with tiny cap sleeves this chick is unusual but that was bizarro i mean i, I think she's going to the, get the other the day mail, when i was walking daisy but I, bare feet <laughs> the, the other day when i was walking daisy I, I saw you know there was somebody in the neighborhood that was jumping rope in his driveway in t-shirt and shorts and he did Listen, have shoes good. on but but but, but jumping, jumping rope, rope I mean, generates she's heat. going to get the mail bare feet it, right. and they have a gravel driveway like there's Ooh. nothing that made sense no. about that situation. I, have, I just I, saw. I don't do the bare feet. I do the yeah. I'm I delicate little feet. Um, okay. So, uh, so that was my my favorite. Um, okay. And and you know we didn't drive. I'm sure you'll agree we didn't drive anything outright bad. I don't think I've been in an outright bad car in a, a long time. Uh, you yeah. know even the Mitsubishi Mirage, which I think it's pointed at as a as a terrible car uh it's a terrible solution for our market but it's not a terrible car Mm. um it's just not a good fit uh so the my least favorite this year i think was probably the uh the subaru outback and and legacy and again why they're bad cars but they have that new infotainment system that i just i hate it (laughs) i have i have the crosstrek in my driveway right now so you probably have the crosstrek sport with the the new 2.5 liter engine um that was delightful that had the one i just had uh, a couple weeks ago had the older starlink infotainment but the the legacy and outback have that large portrait oriented screen almost like um they're trying to to have their own version of census and just the the colors and the icons and the cho- the functional choices it's it's very 
it's it's hard to find what you're looking for, especially at a glance. The touch targets are small. It times back out, so it doesn't stay on the screen if you mm. want it to stay there. It, it goes back to the, de- the default all the time. Um, it's just, it's confusing and it's slow. You know, it's not, sometimes it's not super responsive. So I just, I couldn't get past not liking it. <laughs> no, fair enough. I, I respect that. I mean, I didn't have that same repellent feel. I went on the launch of the Outback. Um, I have not had one at home here. And as I have learned, that can be a big difference. Spending a week with something versus, you know, going on the launch and spending a week with the infotainment system in particular yeah can be a very different experience yeah and like it's great otherwise i mean the subaru makes a pretty pretty great recipe um in different sizes you know they've they've found their their niche and they've really been successful with it their sales keep going up uh, although this year mm. but yeah well uh, yeah but this year's different but yeah they don't have i mean full-size pickups right yeah <laughs> i mean i think and, and you're absolutely right. I do have a different one, but just looking at my review, I mean, for me, the Outback, it supported the Android Auto, Apple CarPlay. So I didn't tend to have as many of those issues, but I also only used it for a day or day and a half. And a lot of times we don't even turn on the radio. We don't interact with it. Um, you know, the navigation is built in or, they, or they've, you know, they've programmed the navigation for us. So on a drive, um, when we're on a media drive, it's very different than having something at home, you know, dropped in our driveway and here you go figure yeah. it out. That's why a lot of times I think our interaction um, at a media launch it can be quite different than when we actually have it at home. Yeah, well, and I think, too, uh, spending more than a week with it might soften some of that impression. Sure. You know, I might get more used to it. It did. I did use CarPlay with it, but I just it felt like, like navigating around between the different features and, and the way it, it worked, even with CarPlay, was not the smoothest. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I, it's a great car. though. Like, this is the thing. Like, it's it's just it was my least favorite, which doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that I liked it the least of all the things that that I drove. So. Somebody else's turn. You two duke it out. Figure out who's going yeah, next. No, well, and, <laughs> Sam, and Sam, if you don't mind, I'll go only because I had a very similar experience. So I think, you know, as as you did, I we drove a lot of really great cars and it's so hard to pick favorites. I mean, from a from a cost is no object standpoint. I'm going to have to go with Aston Martin DB11 because that's just stupid not to. <laughs> that's an option. <laughs> so, right. so I'm going to go with that one um, as, as you know, easily one of my favorite cars of, of the year. On a more reasonable level, though, you know, I've got to give credit to Genesis because the GV80 that I got a chance to drive, again, only for a day, not even a full day, but that was just that they what they've done with that vehicle and at the price point, you know, that they've done. And we talked about this. Uh, it was just really, really impressive. It's an incredibly competitive segment, that midsize luxury, um, you know, five to seven seat. But I just think they've done a, a beautiful exterior wise. You know, we, we spent far too much time probably bitching about how ugly the BMW grill is. Uh, Genesis is just gorgeous. I think that they've done an incredible job with that vehicle. I hope more people will get a chance to to drive it, to give that brand an opportunity because, 
looking across at all the Genesis that I drove, you know, the G90 was kind of a little staid, but they've just done an incredible job, even, you know, with their sedans and with their SUVs. So I think from a, both a, a brand and overall, I think that GV80 was definitely a highlight for me. I'm on a, I also, you know, on kind of from a different price point, the Hyundai Sonata, both the hybrid and the non-hybrid were also real standouts for me. I think the the Sonata hybrid, it just did so many really good things. The styling is really sharp on it. The price, $36,000 was really, really good. I, it just, it was, it was a delight to drive. And, it, you know, as a sedan, uh, you know, it, it just, it, it was comfortable. It was engaging. I, I just, it just did, again, it did a lot of things really, really well. So that was another highlight for me. Um, and then I've, I've, there's so many more <laughs> that I could pick from. Um, yeah, we, we love all the cars. Please keep yeah. sending them to us. <laughs> yes. No, it's well, I, true. <laughs> I, 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 I do agree with you wholeheartedly, Rebecca, on, on both the, the Genesis, uh, the GV80, as well as the G80 sedan, which is you know basically just the lowrider version of the GV80 uh, and the Sonata, you know, all excellent vehicles. Yeah, they really were. So then on the other end of the spectrum, and this is why I wanted, I kind of forced my way in to go next. Um, it was that Mazda CX-9. And I know I talked about it on the show. And, and then I, you know, conversing with Mazda further, that the lack of being able to use the, uh, the built-in or the native language capabilities when you have Android Auto or Apple CarPlay activated. I just have never encountered that before. And I and I don't I don't know of another manufacturer with that. You know, we've got three options to interact with an infotainment system. You've got touch, you've got voice, and you've got like dial control. And they've taken away touch and they took away voice. And I just don't I don't understand that. I don't understand that why how that was a good safe decision. Uh, and I kind of just struggled with Mazda overall, the styling of it. I had in the CX-9, I did have a hard time getting comfortable in the vehicle because of how I have to sit, you know, quite high and forward. The roof line, the, the A-pillar you know, with the windshield is sloped so rakishly that I've had issues with that. And it's frustrating because they are such great vehicles. Uh, you know, the interiors are beautiful. There's, they're fun to drive. They're engaging. There's, you know, Sam and I had gone, I think we drove together on the CX-30 launch. There was, there's such good things about it. Did we drive together on that one? No, you were, you were no. on the next wave. We, we, oh, that's we right. We saw paths. each. Uh, yes, that's right. I was, I was with Stephanie Brinley. Oh, that's right. I was with Alan Taylor. Um, Alan Taylor. Alan, Alan Taylor. Right. I love that guy. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just, again, there was a lot of good, good things about the Mazda lineup this year. But I, I just, I'm struggling with that infotainment system. And it's so hard to, to say to somebody, you know, yeah, I think this would be a great, a great experience when you can't change the radio station unless you pull over, <laughs> and unless it's in your presets, you do have to, you know, so 
when you purchase this vehicle, if you choose to, to purchase a Mazda with this new infotainment system, you will have to spend a considerable amount of time putting in precepts and, presets and anticipate which presets you want, because that's really the only way that you're going to be able to change the station and and to interact with it. I did try, you know, since this experience, I've tried to use Google Assistant more. And actually in the Subaru that I have this week, the Crosstrack has been a great experience with that. So I've been able to use that a little bit more. But yeah, I just, I, I struggled with visibility and I struggled with the infotainment system on the Mazda. I did not struggle with the performance. So as a car, it's great. It's just, you know, those those were my issues with it. And and those are you know, absolutely legitimate, especially, you know, the, the ergonomic issues. You know, and this, this is why we've talked in the past about, you know, the importance of before you buy any particular vehicle, mm-hmm. make sure you test drive it. Spend some time in it, you know, get in and out of it several times. You know, make sure that it's comfortable for you to get in and out of. Make sure that you can see out of it adequately you know with with whatever seating position you're in you know last week we had the question about you know um you know the mach e uh, mm-hmm. you know hitting your knee on the the bottom corner of the, the screen you know based on however you happen to sit however you have you know whatever your preferred seating position is make sure that vehicle works for you and if it doesn't you know don't buy it yeah exactly. no, no, i mean seriously no matter how good it may look on the outside if it doesn't fit you right, do not yeah. buy it because, you know, if it if it doesn't fit you right in that first 20 minutes, half an hour of a test drive, it sure as hell isn't going to fit you right two years, three years, four years down the road. Yeah, it's it's, not, just it's gonna, not something that gets better. Yeah, it's it just isn't. going to annoy you. So make sure you try that stuff out when you're when you're considering a vehicle to purchase. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, that test drive is your time. It is not the dealer's time. Mm -hmm. It is your time. And I've seen people spend more time picking out a pair of shoes, which I understand and appreciate full extent. But they spend more time walking around, you know, the Nordstrom shoe department in in a pair of heels than they have picking out their car. And so, you know, and dealer pressure is a real thing. And that's actually one benefit, you know, getting at home delivery and, you know, trying out a test drive at home is a benefit, I think, of COVID. So use that time wisely. It is your time. It is your responsibility and your right to to test that vehicle out the way that you're going to use it, drive it on the highway, drive it on, drive it on your route as much as possible. So the other shout out I have to give, and not only just because I own my little cute little Coco is the Buick Encore GX for $25,000. I tested the $34,000 version of it, but this car was so good. It was such a great size. It just did a lot of things really, really well. It didn't have ventilated seats, and I complained to them about that. But that was another car that when I look at my review, I think, yeah, you know what? I just like that one. So that's my final one. <laughs> cool. All right. Any lowlights? Oh, I guess, well, you talked about the Mazda. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, but otherwise, like Dan said, there's, it's it's hard. The the There aren't, a lot of bad cars out there. You have got to go and look for them. Um, but there may be a car that's not as good for you. And that's the, that's the most important thing in my mind. Yeah. I mean, m- almost everything out there is good for somebody, somebody, but right? not, but not necessarily for everyone. 
Exactly. In fact, I would I would say that there's nothing out there that is the perfect vehicle for everyone. Um, and that's that's why we have variety. You know, that's why we have, you know, hundreds of different nameplates out there, you know, and different form factors. So you can find whatever is the right fit for you. And it's also, you know, it's when people ask me, what's the best car? I'm like, it depends. Yeah. It depends on what you who you are and what you do with that car and what is going to suit one person may be wholly unsuitable for somebody else. So, you know, I don't prevaricate deliberately on that question, but it really just does depend. It depends on what, who you are, what your lifestyle is and what the demands you're expecting from that vehicle. You know, I got that Buick Encore because my mom could get in and out of that thing. The easiest of any vehicle that I had. And at that, at that point in time, five, six years ago, that was the number one priority for me was, can my mom get in and out of it? And, you know, it's, so you've got those kinds of demands, uh, you know, on your lifestyle. Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, were yours? Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, my three favorites of the year were, you know, the new Corvette, the 20, yeah. the 2020 C8 Corvette, which, you know, for what it is, you know, is a combination of amazing performance and the best possible value for this kind of car, you know, for a mid engine two seat supercar, you know, that you can get for, a, you know, starting around $60,000, you know, it's, it's unbelievable how good a car this is. It uh, really is. It's, it's, it's amazing, you know, and like, like we just said, you know, it's certainly not the car for everybody, <laughs> but if you are interested in a high performance sports car, that looks great, sounds great, drives great. Um, you know, this is absolutely something you should be considering, you know, assuming it fits your budget, you know, and, and again, for a lot of people, you know, they can't afford a $60,000 car, but you know, if you're considering something like an Audi R8 or a Lamborghini Huracan or an Audi NS or Acura NSX, you know, this, this is a, a car that you should, or even, you know, things like a McLaren, you absolutely need to take a look at the Corvette and, and or, test drive. Or a, yeah. Or a super duty pickup. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, mean, I mean, seriously, it, the truck it, in my driveway is $63,000. Yeah. So there you go. But you know, I mean, if you, if your needs include a pickup truck, as opposed to, uh, you know, as opposed to a sports car, you know, then, the then you Corvette. need to get your priorities in order. <laughs> you know, I mean, exactly. but, but you're right, Sam. I mean, the one that I test drove on the launch was $85,000 and it was easily as good, if not better than the, than the Acura MDX, um, RD, um, NSX. I'm about? The NSX. Thank you. You know, which is much more yeah, I mean, uh, at, at 85 aged. grand. It's still, it's still half, the, at least half the price of any of the other cars I mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, they've done, done an incredible job with that. I'm still not a huge fan of the interior. I don't like that. The middle spine that, yeah. you know, uh, that bifurcates. That's, that's, that's my, that's my biggest complaint about it. Yeah. But at least for the 2021 models, they have made the, the camera mirror system as standard equipment. So even on the base uh, LT1, oh, you don't have to step up to the next trim level to get the camera mirror. It's standard now 
across the board on all of them. So you have much better visibility behind you, which awesome. is hugely important in a car like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, sure. you know, next up, you know, the Ford Mustang Mach-E. Uh, it's the first the first time Ford's ever built a purpose-built EV. Um, and it's also the first vehicle with a Mustang badge on it that isn't a coupe or a convertible with an internal combustion engine in the front driving driving the rear wheels. And a lot of people, you know, have huge concerns about that. You know, I'm at the point where, you know, I, I certainly had concerns about it when they first hinted at it a couple of years ago at the Detroit Auto Show and hinted that it might be called the Mach 1. You know, I thought that was a bad idea. I said that to Jim Farley <clears throat> and I have no no pretense that he paid any attention to me specifically, but, <laughs> but he certainly listened to the crowd that that wailed about that. But they did keep the Mustang name and I'm fine with it. I, You know, it, it is what it is, as, as they say. But, um, you know, the Mach-E, if you're you know, if you're looking for an EV that, you know, has room for five, you know, that is, you know, I think uh, design is obviously very subjective. You know, I, I like the way it looks, um, you know, it's certainly uh, it's much higher riding than any Mustang before, but compared to most utilities, it's actually relatively low. Uh, you know, it drives great. It looks great. You know, everything about it. I think it's, it, it's a really well executed vehicle. And as long as they can build them correctly, then, you know, I think I think Ford is going to have a huge success with this thing. And it bodes well for what Ford is going to be doing in the future with EVs. Um, yeah, I think it's a great iteration of of one of their most iconic assets, which is the Mustang name. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a great evolution of of what else of rethinking what a Mustang looks like and, and, and feels like, and, and performs and, and, you know, EVs are known for their torque. I mean, there's, they're known for performance. So you can still get that same feeling. Um, and, and I think they did a good job of honoring and respecting that Mustang nameplate with this vehicle. Yeah. And you know, the, the market, as we know, has moved away from coupes and convertibles, you know, we're, we're obviously all sad about that, but it is, that is the reality of the situation. Yeah. And if you're going to stay in business, you've got to respond to what the market is, is wants. And I think that this is right now for this time, you know, is probably the best possible response that, that Ford could make to keep the Mustang brand alive and relevant in the, mm -hmm. in the market going forward. Mm -hmm. And also as a way to attract people that are that like the Mustang brand, you know, to bring them in to, you know, to EVs, you know, to Ford EVs. Right. Um, so, you know, it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next couple of years as all of these legacy automakers try to battle it out both amongst themselves and also with all the newcomers in the market to grab, you know, the, the EV market share. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I think that, you know, as a, as a first step for Ford, you know, they've done a lot of things right with, yeah. with this vehicle. And then, you know, the, uh, you know, as, as often a completely different direction, the Jeep Gladiator Mojave, you know, um, I think, you know, what they did with the Mojave to the Gladiator, I, I love it. I think it's great. 
You know, it's it's not a vehicle that I would likely ever buy, but it was a lot of fun to drive. Uh, Why wouldn't you buy it? Just out of curiosity. Just I mean, I I don't personally have a need or want for an off road vehicle. Um, You know, it's it's not it's not an inexpensive vehicle. If I did. It is absolutely one that would be, you know, near the top of my list. Okay. Um, you know, because, you know, I, I like the way it drives on, you know, on dirt roads, um, you know, especially, you know, rough dirt roads. Uh, the, the driving dynamics are, are excellent. I thought I thought I, I like the way it drives a lot better than the F-150 Raptor. Mm-hmm. I think the, the Raptor, um, you know, which is you know, both the, the Mojave and the, the Gladiator Mojave and the Raptor are both designed as as high speed off road vehicles as opposed to dedicated rock crawlers. Okay. Um, you know, and the, the Raptor, you know, feels a lot softer and mushier, um, whereas the, the Mojave feels much more controlled. Mm. Um, and I, I like the way it drives, especially on the road, but you know, also off the road. I I, I preferred the way it drives. Um and, you know, it's it's got, you know, that that those fun aspects of the of the Jeep Wrangler, you know, you can take the roof off, you can take the doors off if you want. You've got you've got that flexibility, you know, to, to for that. If you're into that kind of lifestyle, you know, it's it's not what I'm interested in. You know, I'm interested in, you know, low slung, you know, sports cars that go around curves really fast. Um, but, you know, for what it is, I think it's it's really well done. Um and then, you know, low lights, you know, I guess, again, as, as you said, Dan, you know, there's nothing bad out there, but just, you know, in terms of kind of a disappointment as to what I was hoping for versus what I got, you know, mm-hmm. the Cadillac CT4V, um, you know, I yeah. really liked the ATS, especially the ATS-V, um, you know, and this the CT4 is the replacement for that, um, you know, and the, you know, the 27 Turbo is is it's powerful. It's got lots of power, but I don't know. It just didn't have the, you know, didn't have what I wanted in that car. Uh, and maybe the black wing series. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when they launched the black wing later this year, you know, which will have the, the twin turbo V six, like you had in the ATSV, you know, maybe that, you know, we'll get it back to where I prefer it to be. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, size and, you know, the, the, the format of the vehicle, I like that. But it's just the 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 CT4 V just didn't really turn me on, and the you know the Lexus RX 450, you know, <laughs> we've 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 waxed on about you know the RX numerous times over the past There's year. There's going to be a new one coming. Yeah, there, and yes, it is. It is at the end of its life cycle. Yeah. And you know, and finally the Prius. You know, oh, yes. uh, it's so that's interesting from you because the Prius for a long time, you know, like it blazed the path and it was one of those things that we wound up finding ourselves defending, even as enthusiasts saying like, look, it's not exciting to drive, but it's it's a, quite a technological achievement and it really does move the needle. And, and now it's kind of. Yeah, well, and it served its purpose, you know, just yeah, as you know, a couple of years ago, you know, I, I when I talked about the uh, the Prius C. You know, which is basically a hybrid Yaris. I loved you know, that thing. That was my know, favorite Prius. When, again, when it launched, you know, it had a purpose. How which are was we to, friends, to, to create, Dan? A, create a more right. affordable, <laughs> a more affordable uh, hybrid Sorry. from Toyota. You know, both, you know, all, all the variants of the Prius 
had a purpose, which was, as you say, to blaze that path of electrification. Mm-hmm. They served that purpose. Mm-hmm. Hybridization is now a mainstream thing. You can get hybrids in almost every Toyota now, except for yeah, the Tundra. And, and sometimes and, you don't even realize that it's a hybrid, like the uh, the Defender 110 I just had. Um, I had to look that up. Yeah, say, well, that's a mild a, hybrid. Yeah, but, but still, I mean, yeah. it's, it's but, hybridization. Uh, I mean, even, you know, the, the, the Prius style, you know, strong hybrid system, I and mean, you can get that in, you know, the, the RAV, the Corolla, the Camry, the Avalon, uh, the Highlander, the, the, um, the Sienna, and... You know, the, the Prius, you know, has been, its sales have been declining for years. Uh, you know, the RAV, the RAV4 hybrid is now the most popular um, uh, Toyota yeah. hybrid. Last year, you know, in 2020, uh, or at least up through the end of November, through the first 11 months of the year, 27% of RAV4s sold in the U.S. were hybrids. It is by far the most popular hybrid sold in the U.S. And, you know, you know, similar market share, you know, is coming in, you know, for a lot of the other Toyota hybrids. So I think that the Prius served its purpose blazing that trail. It's time to let it go. Yeah. And I, I don't expect to see a next generation Prius in the U S market. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Did I know uh, that? Was that? Uh, no, was that, uh, I'm, that's just my opinion. Are you opinion. breaking I just, news? <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just guessing, you know, given, okay. given the way the market has shifted away from smaller cars, Right. I, I'm I would be I would be shocked if Toyota bothers to bring a, a mm. next generation Prius to the U.S. market. Well, as you say, there's when you have opportunities in um, potentially higher uh, profit vehicles also like the RAV4 hybrid and such. There's there's a lot of other options out there. Well, even even the Corolla. I mean, you know, right. you've got the Corolla hybrid. There's really yeah. no. No reason, especially for something as weird looking as the as the current generation <laughs> Prius. You know, yeah, you know the infotainment, the the looks. I, well, it's okay. so funny. I when I drove it this summer, I I did not want to drive it. I didn't want to be seen driving it. Yeah, <laughs> I no, I can sympathize with that. <laughs> you know, so again, it's it's not that it's bad. It's just right. you know, it's. It's day has, you know, it's seen its day. It's time to move on. <laughs> I All felt right. very, very baby boomer and not very Gen X in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, it's like, look, I'm, I'm becoming my parents. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my goodness. All right. So I think that's our, that's our highlights and our lowlights. Any quick predictions um, for the year? I have one. Um, okay. But it's it's a pretty universal prediction. I think this is always going to be the case. Um, but I think in in twenty twenty one, it's this is not the year we see fully autonomous self driving cars oh. <laughs> uh, on the road in in uh, a you know sort of mass way. We've got some on the road, you know, like with Waymo and they're doing limited testing. It f- self driving doesn't heretic doesn't hit the mark <laughs> this year. That's that's my prediction. I, bold, I feel bold statement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think that I could see this year, as we talked about, kind of evolving as our commutes evolve, as our workspaces evolve. I think our use of the vehicle will continue to evolve. I, you know, a, a third of the luxury market is leases. And those are going to still be coming up and it'll be interesting to see what people do. I, 
you know, and, and how we use our vehicles. I mean, I feel like some days I just want to get out of my house and I need to go for a drive. And that speaks more towards a sports oriented car, something that is more performance based, more emotional, but it also means, you know, I've talked to my, my brother-in-law about this because sometimes, you know, in his busy household, he just needs quiet and like, go, you know, go for a drive and take that conference call. I'm um, not a zoom call, obviously, but a conference call, like in the park, go sit at the beach, you know, go sit in your car. And so how you're using that car, I think it'll be very interesting to see what, what we find out uh, over the course of, of 2021. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. And uh, if if you want to hear my predictions on uh, autonomous vehicles in 2021, check out uh, the latest episode of the No Parking Podcast. I'll include a link to that. Uh, Brian Seleski and uh, CEO of Argo AI and Alex Roy and I chatted for about an hour about that stuff. Uh, Hit some myths on on AVs. But, um, you know, I think the the other thing I think we're going to see this that we will see this year is, you know, a really big expansion of EVs. Um, we're certainly getting a lot of new models coming to market this year. And I think we're going to see a big growth in sales of EVs um, in 2020 and or 2021 and, and beyond, you know, because in addition to the Mach-E and the Ford E-Transit, um, you know, GM is going to be launching you know, several EVs this year, starting with the Hummer, uh, the Lyric is coming, Cadillac Lyric's becoming, uh, coming early next year. Uh, but Mary Barra is doing keynote, opening keynote for CES um, in a little over a week. And uh, she's expected to announce uh, Chevy Silverado EV um, and and possibly other EVs. So we're, we're going to see a bunch of stuff from GM, the VW ID4 um, and other VW EVs and, and Audi EVs coming to market this year. Some newcomers like Lucid, um, the Nissan Aria uh, is coming this mm-hmm. fall. Uh, so there's going to be a lot more options in in uh, certainly in market segments, you know, where where people are buying vehicles and also, uh, you know, increasingly, you know, in, you know, at price points that people that are going to be more affordable. Hyundai is going to also be launching their their new Ionic 5 this year. Um, Kia is going to be launching uh, some new EVs this year. So there's going to be a lot of competition at various price points and different market segments. And so I think that's that's going to be the big thing to watch. I agree. I agree. It'll be very exciting to see. Okay. All right. Hey, so we had one email, it looks like. Uh, let's save that for next time. Okay. So, so you'll be on the edge of your seat for next week? <laughs> I just, I liked what he had to say. Yeah. So, well, no, so did I. And you are, well, we can, we can, we can do it. I just was just thinking that we were wrapping up sort of a year end show and yeah. this might be a good way to start the new year. Yeah, I think my, it's fine. That was my that's strategic fine. That's, just, that's the only reason I wanted to do it because I yeah. agree, Dan. You're very soothing to listen to. I am. I am extremely <laughs> soothing to listen to. I'll lean into the mic at the proximity. Soothing, like, soothing yes, exactly. is not the word I would have used for listening to Dan, but uh, you know, some people find find peace in the chaos. <laughs> you put your best NPR voice on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't think I'd last at any NPR station. The general manager would oh, just bounce goodness. me out. Be like, "Listen, you tried to unionize the newsroom." Get <laughs> okay, <here."> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I'll be unionized already. I don't. Know. Um, but anyway, uh, I start rabble rousing. Um, 
thanks for listening everyone for, <laughs> for 2020 i I'm, we need to wrap it up i mean there's there's uh there's just a, a year of episodes to to go through you know sort of dollars you know three and a half years of episodes yeah well, no, 176 I mean, there's 76 episodes is we have a we have a new year in front have? of us to to fill with episodes My goodness. um and 176 we'll episodes yeah 176 plus some some other sort of bonus episodes and we do have other stuff uh in the works i know that i've said that the last few episodes we're getting there um we're getting down to business some things had to be sort of developed and hooked up but uh we've got some some more content on the way for you we're going to flesh out those um those patreon levels uh I'll, I'll actually try to get on that this afternoon um so stay tuned stay in touch uh and we'll see everybody uh, a little deeper into 2021 uh for the next show and happy new year everyone happy new year see you next time say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.